Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brain Trust Podcast. My name is Adam Vass. I'm a tabletop game designer in Glendale, California. My name is Lily Oops. I'm a game designer in the Boston Demilitarized Zone, America. <laughs> I'm just leaning more into The Last of Us every day here. So. Aren't we all, in a way? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the a thing about that game is it had bad graffiti. Uh, we, we've talked about that. I have not... I beat it, by the way. It was good. I don't know if I'm really... Uh, if that's treading new ground yet. But <laughs> all the doors in every room have this special lock on it that you can't go into. And it like helps you signal you know, which doors are good and which doors are bad. So I'm getting ready to pit... Oh, some really big door braces on a lot of <laughs> on a lot of doors that I can no longer go into. <laughs> uh, I think I've also mentioned this on the show that I played it for like an hour and it was engaging, but like I just wasn't good at it, so I quit. I'll watch it the TV series when they're making that or the movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. I like shooting people in the head <laughs> in video games. <laughs> in video games. In video games, I don't like. I like throwing snowballs at people in the head. Uh, on the subject of snowballs, I had I played Pokemon for a minute this morning, and I caught a guy I'd never seen before, and his head was a big old snowball. What's What's his name? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it started with D A L. It was like Dalmanitan, Dalman, Mal, Dalmanation. It was like an abominable snowman. I. I uh, I don't know. I can't find this. I still get the thrill though of who's that Pokemon. I really like uh, discovering new monsters. That's like always a good feeling. And I I I'm playing Gamma World now. I I kind of want to talk a little bit this episode about like Gamma World, but um, it's kind of every single monster in the Gamma World uh monster manual thing is. Something I've never heard before. And I cannot, like, match any of the names to the text. And so, like, the last session I talked about this big... There's a lot of, like, plants. A lot of, like, fucked up plants that will come and get you. And uh, there's one that was just this big white tree that moves slowly towards you. And I spent, no joke, like, seven minutes in the middle of the game just, like, scrolling through and reading every entry. Because I couldn't figure out... I couldn't remember which one <laughs> named, like, Glob Globlon it was. <laughs> I guess, like, you know, having memorable monsters is all about having a name that really communicates, you know, what they do. It's got to be hard in, like, theater of the mind, too, where you're not seeing it. Like, the only reason I brought up this Darmanitan, which I looked up, <laughs> uh, is because his head was a snowball. Let me get a look at this motherfucker. So, you're talking here, about. here's what's interesting that I didn't know, is that it, it was a fire type in Gen 5. But in Galara, it's an ice type. And so you Aww. might recognize it for its fire type in the past. I feel like, uh, yeah, the fire type, there is this really fun kind of exhale that he's doing. And <laughs> his, his mouth has really spiky teeth and smiling. You know, I, I like Darmanitan. I approve. The Brain Trust approves Darmanitan as one of our favorite Pokemon. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I'm back. I'm still playing Shield every day. I only just learned that Lucario is actually in the game and not just the product of people hacking and bringing him into the game. Uh, and I've never played, because it took so long between the last game that I played and this one, 
I've never played a game that Lucario is in. So I'm like, what's all the fanfare about? I gotta get this guy for myself. He's uh, he's also in Smash, which is what I know him. Oh yeah. Best. But uh, um, I I was just wondering, like, you know, when you see a Pokemon that you extremely recognize and love, and you just want, do you have like that feeling for when some monster or enemy comes up in a role playing game? Have you ever had that before? Um, yeah, there's definitely some like, I think it specifically in D and D because some of them are either crossover success or yeah. or um just like such staples of either the genre or specifically D&D itself um i'm thinking of an owl bear being like an iconic yeah. thing that people get juiced for um i don't think i've ever fought an owl bear i definitely rem- i think i mm, i want to i want to fight one but i yeah, huh. now like I don't recall if I fought it or if we just like saw it. You know, do do you want to fight an owlbear like right now? <laughs> like you could roll like a strength, dexterity, and hit points, and then I'll roll I'll d- the owlbear. I'll just be a. We could take. <laughs> I'll be a level zero, no modifiers. <laughs> yeah, great. And uh, okay, so we'll do like roll to hit, right? Yeah. Do you know the AC for and, an owlbear? Uh, let's. What are we rolling a D twenty to hit? Yeah. I've got one in my hand. Okay, it's probably... Oh, let me get my dice. It's probably like a 12 or a 13. See, I would have guessed higher because of its bare parts. But Oh, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I have a book right there. Uh, I can get the book. I was... No, fuck that. <laughs> this is from memory. I was going to give it some more hit points than usual. Um, because... So, uh, what, what stats do we want? Do you want a strength, dexterity, and like will? Does that feel good? Yeah, sure. Okay, so roll me 2d6 for each of those stats, and those are your... Okay. In order. the owlbears. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Seven. <laughs> hey. Four. Eight. So I've got seven strength. Four dex. And, that, and eight will. Okay. And uh, I'm going to roll, I think an owlbear probably has, like, three or four hit dice. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. here's the interesting thing, if, if we're theory, if we're, like, crafting an owlbear from memory, is yeah. how much of it is owl and how much of it is bear? Oh, great, 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 great. I, I always imagine the kind of newer D&D art. But I'm I'm kind of ready to get beyond that to really like you know what's my owl bear looking like? <laughs> like it just looks like a big walking owl. I like that because yeah the uh, the standard one is just a bear with an owl's face and it's a little unimaginative truthfully. All right, I rolled up my hit points and I'm giving it an AC uh, on the higher side of what I said. Um, what what? Tell me about your character. Um, just a farmer i uh i have like a trident just like or i guess it's not called it it's not called a trident when you're a farmer is it wait you're like a you're like a pretty metal farmer like <laughs> you're like american gothic out there yeah. like wearing overalls and then a, a blazer Full, but like or fully yeah i have just the plow tools so i have like a spade on my waist and uh oh yeah yeah the bigger like staff with the points uh is it called like a plow <laughs> f- i know what it is but i don't want to tell you 
it's a big music website also. Uh you, You've been you've been written up in this website. Oh, it's a bitch work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so uh, this owlbear probably has been a lifelong pest. Yeah, it comes to my farm and, like, raids my chicken coop. Yeah, and you are... I bet you're working on, like, growing a really big fruit or vegetable. Like, what is that? Oh, oh I want to I wanna have the world's largest gourd, and then at, at yeah. the fall festival this year, I'm going to, like, win prizes for my gourd. Okay, so you set up the stakes, like, it's the night before the fall festival, and you've moved the gourd from your secret place to, like, your, uh, probably your barn or something, where you're, you're gonna hitch it up on some griffins or something, <laughs> and you hear, you, you're up all night, and you were going to just watch it, just to make sure, but you fell asleep, of course, because you're, you know, you, you're a farmer, you go to sleep at 5pm. <laughs> Owlbear rolls up, uh, and you look out on the... You know, across you, you start awake and you look across the farmland, and all of these scarecrows have been knocked down. So you're like, "Oh shit!" It, yeah, it's rumbling time, and yeah, I have. I think I have a partner or a spouse who's the kind of like, "Whatever you say, honey." Like, <laughs> I, I go on and on about this enormous gourd, and they just don't care. But like, it's a, it's like something that keeps me occupied so it could be worse have you named the gourd oh delilah oh my god <laughs> okay well uh delilah the owlbear has a paw raised about to just snatch out a piece of delilah and then you just bust through the barn door as you see it and i guess we roll for initiative okay uh i don't know what these <laughs> really terrible stats that i rolled are indicative of Okay, so what what are the numbers a again? A seven, a four, and an eight. Okay, so how about you want to roll under with two d six? Okay. Uh. And you got a pitchfork, so that's probably like a you know, a d six damage. Sure. And uh, but I think my first move because I'm hoping I don't have to like go toe to toe with this thing. Is to take yeah. the spade from my tool belt and whip it like a shuriken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hit it. Roll. That's dexterity. Ooh, I did it. I rolled a three and I needed four or less. Okay, cool. And uh, you are... That's really good. Yeah, I didn't um, see that going that well. Yeah. Were you trying to nail the owl there? Um, I don't know that I needed to like pierce skin. Um, more so, I just want to hit it. And hopefully it'll be uh, like, like, oh, like I got hit by something. I'm out of here. I'm busted. Okay, yeah. It is It is startled, and you, like, get it right between the eyes with the flat part. So it's like, doing, <laughs> And you can hear the the big, like, reverberant owl skull. <laughs> and uh, it's it's early, early light. So there's probably even, like, some, if there's any other animals in the barn, like those griffins that were chilling. They've just started awake also. So the owlbear will, like, back up and run outside, but not before you can see it got its leg caught around the cart that Delilah is sitting <laughs> in, in the rope. So it starts, like, it's pulling, pull it. and you, it's going to pull it away. Uh, okay, so my next... Well, does uh, is that its move? Yeah. My next thing is going to be to open the barn door, because... 
Okay. If the bear just smashes through it and drags the cart, it's going to smash Delilah up against the side of the barn. So I need, oh, awesome. I need to swing those doors open. That just sounds like something you can just go do. Cool. Uh, yeah. And I'm just going to, like, shout some obscenities. Um, Conflag it. <laughs> Consarn it. <laughs> maybe I think I'm going to try to hop onto the back of the cart. So I'll be yes. in the wagon with Delilah getting pulled fast and furious by the owl bear. Okay, I have an idea for how, how this game could be interesting. You alternate. If you succeed on a roll, you have to roll the opposite, above or below. So you just succeeded on a roll below. So you're you're kind of you're kind of heating up. So now you got to roll above. Okay. Dex again. Yeah. Did it. I got a seven. Ooh yeah. Hello. You're on it, and you can, you know, you're. It's now a chariot. Yes. <laughs> and it's you're just kind of rolling through. Like as you look behind, you're in like a cornfield. And the owlbear's just pulling you through midday cornfield and, like, corn husks are... You just picked it, so there's... It's not ruining any crops. Um, but you just see behind him, there's this big, hilarious trail. And you're kind of, like, you're, you're resting your back against the squash as you're just chariot-style <laughs> the owlbear. Like, trying to grab the reins on a wild creature. Uh, I think it's going to try and figure out to try and get undone here. Sure. So, um, I didn't roll any stats, so let me quickly roll some stats. That's my strength. That's my dex. And here's my will. Wow, very right in the middle. Um, great. So, let's have that be will. And I'm gonna try and roll under. Uh, yes. The owlbear, uh, starts to cut across the field to the way where you know the river is. Yeah, that's no good. Uh, <laughs> I imagine since it's pulling the the whole cart with its weight that the rope is taut. Yes, yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to scale the rope and then, like, bear back the owl bear. Wow. <laughs> like, I, need to get, I need to get them detached. And if I can, like, distract the bear enough... To it, just get the rope off the cart, like I'll come back for the cart later. Yeah, it's safe if you have if you can get on and like. Okay, great. Uh, that sounds like strength. Sure, and I'm rolling under because I rolled over last time. Yeah. Ooh, I did not do it. Uh oh. So you get on the owl bear. Right? Yeah. So you, it's not graceful, and you definitely like. You know this terminology in skateboarding where you credit card yourself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the board the board goes between your legs and really does some damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well you just you bounce up like a slack line professional. <laughs> <laughs> and you kinda get you're propelled onto the back of the owl bear and you can it's like it's go oh, it's got like an owl's head, right? So it can turn fully around. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> and so it's just gonna start like biting at you. Um, so I'm going to roll uh, my strength to, to heck you up. And I did above before, so I'm... Or below before, so I'm going to do above now. Not good enough. You're able to save your fingers. Good. The owl teeth are, are really... They're, they're not many of them, but they're pretty sharp. Uh, I think then, now that I'm in like immediate danger, and I think I've been acting on impulse and adrenaline and not really... 
being smart about this. Uh, <laughs> you just woke up. Sure, yeah. Um, I feel like I need to just sever the rope. Um, and a pitchfork's probably not the greatest tool for that. Uh, what if I can... What if I take the pitchfork at the rope like a spaghetti fork and I just try to get it <laughs> all like knotted up and messed up so that the bear like it will just basically cause uh, like uh, it won't work as <laughs> so good so okay, he can't yeah. just like drag yeah, us yeah. around. Okay great. Uh, what do you think? What kind of stat do you think that is? Uh, maybe strength. Okay. Uh, now roll under because that was over last time. Or no, I I rolled over and failed. So. Oh okay. I think I'm. Wa- I want to roll over this time. Yeah. And I do. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So you the the pitchfork goes down and you are just creating a a improvised bind, and it it does the effect where you wanted the owlbear to slow down and basically not tear away to river and it does you like reach the end of the cornfield and right where that river is the owlbear comes to a halt and uh it's it's tied up and it's it's making this little whimper like it wants to get out like it's kind of done having fun yeah uh hmm the gourd is seemingly safe yes the gourd is good i don't know how delilah is okay (laughs) gourd is good uh (laughs) (laughs) i wonder what the best way to like free this wild animal without its sort of survival instinct to attack me is um also i don't have my spade or my pitchfork now because they're the spade i threw and the pitchfork's all mangled up in the in the rope knot like a a rat king (laughs) (laughs) yeah like snapped the uh the handle um you could feed a little piece of that gourd to the owlbear but what if i lose the competition by like two ounces and i give a, I a that, two ounce snack to the bear i think that's something we will find out next episode oh, uh <laughs> yeah i think i don't know i think the the gourd is more important to me than my safety i might just go up and try to untie the rope from the bear's leg. All right. I will see what the what the owlbear does will-wise. Well, you just made it. <laughs> yeah, the owlbear, you have, like, like the equivalent of, like, breaking a horse. You right. Have, yeah. The owlbear is just kind of uh, obviously scared of you. You control ropes. You're the gourd master. And, uh, yeah, you untie it, and the owlbear, uh, like, gingerly walks away and then goes into a full run running down the river back to the owlbear house yeah cool then i just i want to go up and like stroke the gourd and be like it's okay delilah we we made it (laughs) you fucking carry it back uh on the cart it like takes it all out of you you just because it's already morning you carry it straight to the fair i like tie the rope around my whole body And, yeah, our, our last shot is, like, you looking exactly like the owlbear who needs to be untied <laughs> once you get to the, the stand. Hell, yeah. That was great. Yeah, that's an owlbear, I guess. That was fun. <laughs> the... Don't want to take a break? Yeah.
Welcome back to the Brain Trust Actual Play. Uh, we're playing against the Owl Bears. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so we hold on. On last episode. Oh yeah. This is for next week, maybe. I want to explore oh. <laughs> the like. I wonder what the ecology of an owl bear like. Is there an owl bear society? What is their like group or communal like attitude? And what is a game where you are the owl bears? Okay. Yes, let Put us. That. That's a really good idea. Yeah. So, like, how to map different like uh, what's it called? Characteristics. Uh, yeah, basically, like mapping that, like you know, I, I bet owl bears are isolated and the hibernators and stuff like that. But so, like, what's the difference between that and um, not to steal Vidya Valetti's whole thing, but goblins? <laughs> like, what is the the diff with goblins or kobolds or yeah uh, i just wrote yeah. what is okay. owl bear on the sticky note where i wrote my stats and it's on my wall so i'll stare at it Great. all week and then next week we can that will be pick at it. the title of the next episode <laughs> uh but so last week we uh made a couple games uh using online only uh whether that's through voice or through uh text or through video just play like long distance gaming um LDG. And uh, our final game was uh, making a Discord or a chat room into a ghost house. And uh, Adam and I turned that around to have a playtest of this Discord has ghosts in it on uh, Thursday. And we both got to play in it. Yeah, that was actually... We haven't played a game together in over a year. <laughs> uh, except for Guide. Yeah. Uh, that, but that's, you know, that's business. That was work. <laughs> <laughs> strictly business <laughs> but yeah we smashed it together with enough guts to be able to be played within a couple days of birthing the idea which is impressive yeah like just to, to walk behind the scenes um take a walk with me behind these scenes uh adam and i i had the idea i was like i'm gonna I'll write this up and let's have a call about it. And Adam like saw the doc, made a bunch of comments, and then we just walked through all the rules like an hour before playing. And we played with uh, a bunch of members of the Brain Trust. We had, I think, six to seven to eight people in the game. And the way it works, if you uh, weren't there last episode, if you only listen to even-numbered episodes <laughs> of the Brain Trust, shout I me like out. when they hang out, but uh, I don't like when they come up with good ideas. <laughs> well now they're like uh, i don't know i don't like actual plays <laughs> you know what actual plays need to be fucking 10 minutes long like that's when they're that good. would be how anyway. i could listen to them yep hey same here buddy <laughs> um uh but uh you there are two teams and there are the investigators who may only speak in a shared voice chat that everyone is in and there are the ghosts which may only type into a series of shared channels that represent a ghost house um, a haunted house, a ghosty haunty house, and uh, I played a ghost, and Adam played an investigator among ghosts and investigators. And you start the game by, you know, obviously there's safety tools like setting up what you what your your lines and veils are, learning how to use the X card, and then you uh, work to by yourself to create your uh, investigator that has a couple qualities to them, and the ghosts work to make their ghosts, which have a couple qualities to them. Um, and you create this palette of frights together that you'll see through the house. And over the course of like, you know, an hour or I think we played for like an hour and a half or two. Um, 
you uh, ghosts create new rooms. They go into channels and type ghostly stuff. And the investigators are all on this, you know, shared group chat using push to talk and to simulate walkie talkies. By the way, everyone can hear what's going on, but only investigators can can speak. When I was a ghost and this was happening, I was like howling with laughter when <laughs> when the fucking investigators got scared or creeped out <laughs> or like it was intoxicating. Um, but uh, by the end of the game, the investigators are learn about these ghosts and discover you know why they have unfinished finished business, which is their uh, a combination of their bloodline and their malign. And by the end of the game, they either release the ghosts, they ask the ghosts whether they want to be released or not, and then there's the end. And uh, by the time you're hearing this, it's available on itch.io, willyopes.itch.io uh, for open development, and it will have a template for a Discord that you can use and all the rules you need to play and some best practices stuff, but it uh went stupid well. Yeah, especially for, truthfully, as, as much actual, like, rule crafting as we did, because a lot of it was just very um, pure from the source. Here's the idea. Like, I want to be a ghost. Yeah. I want to be an investigator. Let's go. Uh, but, yeah, it worked really well, and it was really fun. Um, as from inspector pl- inspector player point of view, uh, it was... It, became overwhelming at times but in a way that felt like if i were in a haunted house and there was more than one ghost in it i would be overwhelmed yeah yeah like uh you could hear each investigator we had three four at the most um where each one was in a different room and when an investigator walks into a room they have to narrate what they're seeing what the ghost has written in the chat of that channel so say you enter um someone in, had the the music room and there was like some weird tap dancing and music and uh some ghosts even like sent spotify and youtube links to just like create that extra music level or pictures or stuff like that and um it was so cool to hear just this like chaotic thing and you could kind of uh when you got when you started hitting a line you know, with a ghost or an investigator, you really focus in and everything else becomes this really cool background audio of just like the the worst night ever. It's in my genre of favorite movies, which is worst night ever. <laughs> um, yeah, there was also a bunch of cool stuff. Like the inspectors are almost translating the ghostly things to the audio channel. And there was this interesting thing that we noticed that we didn't consider before that you have like notifications and stuff going off for discord while you're playing. Yeah. So you can see like there's activity in the bedroom upstairs, but I'm in the kitchen and like, there's also activity here and I'm focused on it. I'm like trying to figure out some shit, but I know that there's other shit going on and I don't have the attention or like ability to go find out what everything's going on. And which also led to a cool thing at the end of the game where I then like click through the discord channels that I never, the rooms that I never even visited as a player to see what happened in there, uh, mm-hmm. which was just like a cool meta thing of like, yeah, I know something's going on in the well in the backyard, but like, I don't have time to go outside cause my whole thing <laughs> is happening in the music room here. Uh, yeah, it was calamitous. And- <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. There was like moments where, uh, yeah, you could tell which uh, which investigator inspector was 
uh, directly like following a line. And then there were these moments where inspectors would say like, hey, everybody come in here. Something weird is happening. And it would like focus play in that way that I just like didn't even imagine. Yeah. It's like super cool. It was very natural. And then those become these like bullet points between the just calamity and you have, yeah, like focused danger or like everyone's experiencing this thing and it, it ramps in a really intense way. And generally those ramps then go like one, my inspector was like, I can't handle this. I got to go. Or somebody else would be like, I think I heard something upstairs. Like you, you, you diverge again and go into the very, like it feels LARPy in that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You only have so many things you can pay attention to in a room where there's a room, a space where there's so much happening. Um, so yeah, and as you're as you're saying, like the play artifact is the Discord server that you've made, and you name it, uh, you give it a random address, and so you can. I just have it sitting in my Discord, uh, like all the Discords I'm a part of, and I can just click through, and yeah, just like you said, you know, in in LARP, sometimes you have no idea what one person's story was, but you can get this weird like ghost story tone poem based on only the ghost side. Um, what did you gather from some of the feedback that the players gave? Do you have any, like, uh, d- dev notes? Yeah, some of the feedback that I had personally was that I wanted all the frights and all the lines and veils to be written down in front of me while I was playing. Mm. Uh, so I wouldn't have to even, like, look somewhere else to find them. And that's just, like, a safety element. I, I'm, like, really concerned... Uh, like appropriately so for any horror game that everyone's on the same page for what should and what should absolutely not happen. Um, there was a, I like to do roses and thorns feedback uh, where you have to say something positive, something that you thought was strong and you have to say something negative, something that you thought was weak. And so uh, the uh, roses are always things that I would expect with the game, uh, which is cool. And the thorns were things I was thinking about as well. There were a couple of discovery things that didn't really come into play. Uh, I think playing for longer, we all wanted to play for longer. Yeah, we we were sort of trying to smash it in this time frame. And uh, it's because of the free nature of the game. It, like, doesn't fit well into a scheduled time. Yeah. And it's just, you can tell that the game wanted to go on longer so we could resolve more things. And Plus, after um, setup and, and... rules briefing and stuff we really only had half an hour of schedule and i think we went over maybe like 20 minutes or something so because we had shooted to play for an hour but um which we ended up kind of doing if you exclude all the setup stuff which i is part of play but yeah i uh i i think in the when i when it's out right the version you'll see right now uh has a discord server clone that you can just click on and clone the server. So you just have everything instantly. Um, and while writing now I'm like, okay, some people joined to just listen and not even be a ghost. So I'm going to add a role of specter for like spectator where the only thing you can do are emoji reacts to messages and stuff. Um, And you can't speak at all. And it's just like building the ambient, hauntedness of everything i ended up at some point using reacts as like my out of character uh communication if like 
if someone said something that I, uh, if a ghost typed something that was exceptionally like cool or spooky or something, I would throw a react on there. Um, but then I did see other people were reacting too, but because it wasn't like an established, like, here's what this is for. Um, there's still like a weird yeah. inference. I'm like, did another inspector see that and also think it's spooky or did like, like you said, is somebody here that's just doing this? <laughs> uh, which was cool. It was like weirdly, um, as an inspector, you truly can't know what's totally going on. Yeah. And I just imagined, you know, like say you do a big actual play show and you wanted to play this game, you just like throw out this link to your audience and you're like, Hey, you know, I had this thing where like, all these specters would have to change their names to like pieces of furniture or something, or like just single objects that are in the house, just to like you know, have this list of shit <laughs> that is, is around. But um, it went it went really smoothly, and I you know took a screenshot of some text and like what the house looked like by the end, and put it on Twitter, and people were like, "Holy shit!" So <laughs> that always feels good. Adam Adam whipped up an amazing cover. Yeah, I was very pleased with it. I, I wanted to go with, like, throwbacky like, Haunted Mansion kind of aesthetic or, like, vintage horror where it's not yeah. like, modern horror. Even though we didn't really... Something that was sort of missing, and it ended up being a little bit dissonant, but in, like, a scary kind of way, was that we didn't establish what the building was or what our setting was. So, like... Exactly. We, yeah, we had a good. 1500s kitchen and a 1970s, like... <laughs> lounge room um which was dissonant but it also felt like very otherworldly where this like building exists outside of time or something yeah and uh so because you can just clone discord servers when i've you know after this has come out in early development what i would love to do is add different templates for like you know a hereditary style house for a medieval horror thing. I was thinking uh, like a hospital some... or like some kind of like not home. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, some, some like futuristic, you know, cyberpunk graveyard deal. I just think it just so lends itself to so many little things, which is exciting when a game like reveals that to you. Even just like an outdoor, like a zombie apocalypse kind of like you going down alleys. Like you're not going into buildings. You're You're outside, but there's like, the sewer Ooh, system, yeah. the alley, the rooftop, like you have all these I'm thinking of New Donk City. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh not quite in line with the, the values that we're going for, but I like which is... the exploratory nature of like here's a very small city and you are Mario yeah. and you can go from XY to Z, but like it's like a silent hill energy that, you know, you can do or and uh, there, there, some of the things were like, as a ghost, I went for a, a scary tone sometimes, and then a more outright, like, silly, surreal tone. And it, it would be very easy to make this a Scooby-Doo-style comedy game <laughs> also. So, yeah, look the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Also, uh, yeah, we'll have it available as we continue to build on it. So, mm -hmm. which is like a cool thing uh, that quarantine especially allows is like, we can tinker with it. I, I think a lot of the time, this is like a design flaw of mine is that I, as soon as I release something, I never think about it again. 
or I'll play it and then be like, oh, I wish I would have changed this. Um, open dev or specifically like digital stuff because so much of I, what I do is print or fo- print focused. Um, is like exciting as a designer to be like, this is never like air quotes finished. It's just released yeah. and evolving. Yeah. And, uh, you know, th- part of that is like the reaction that I felt and got and just saw was like, you know, I should, this should be out sooner rather than later. And, you know, at, although we did like, you know, radical open development with brain trust from the, the initial part, like having it, the initial part be something that we just do and then having it be open. And, you know, I think I'm the same way or I just want to like, either finish it and put it right out or just keep it and hug it for a long time until all the words <laughs> are perfect. And then, so that's kind of my thing I'm working through and it, it'll be exciting just to put it out and be like, uh, yeah, don't tell me about, uh, any misspellings. Cause I don't, I don't really give a shit <laughs> right now. <laughs> You're figuring out like, you know, what's, I guess this could be something we talk about uh, after a little break, but you know, when is something done? enough for uh early dev or well, like uh early access i mean yeah let's take a break um and we'll parse like a timeline of the the yeah the life cycle the pre-life cycle of games yeah we're back on the brain trust and we're talking about games <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh what we're talking about releasing stuff and when when you can let go of something <laughs> when it's done there's all these like bullet points of progress and i think a lot of them i often will make these like charts or grids in my notebook while I'm working on something or a dry erase board, um, which I've seen done in like recording studios where it's like on the left, there's a column of all the tracks and then there's a column for each instrument that needs to be played. So you need drums, bass, both guitars, vocals, and then there's like the add tracks. And when you finish something, you just put an X in it. And then I just like, like seeing that chart become populated. So Mm. I'll do like, uh, Core writing, develop like supplement writing, uh, editing, artwork, layout, print as my like column headers, and then watch them progress and make this full graph. Um, but something, and I think that's kind of exclusive to like print media because what we're talking about yeah. is specifically with like open dev or early access or something like you have these points that are not, they're not X's on your chart. They're like, just like the one dash from left to right. And then you have to come back later and add the dash from right to left to make it an X. (laughs) Yeah. The it's this weird middle ground between like having it be really commercially attractive. Like it has to look super good when you put it out, but some parts can be rough and understood that you know this will you you basically have to get someone in the door and be like this is early access so like it's gonna have everything you need to play i think 
and that I can't even like it's it's hard to break that task down in a different way than it's just me like really uh being a freak over a manuscript for a while. What do you think's the bare minimum that someone would need to post an early access? Um like even I, thinking less maybe specifically think of ghosts instead of like projects yeah. that we've more refined and got stuck on or or whatever. Um, because it's actively happening. Because I think the text that we had even before we played for the first time, which is a Google Doc, just you know, plain text, not really formatted or anything, um, would be comfortable enough for me to post it as early access at like not full price. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it already. I like guess... functional, it it. it it works well enough. You might have to spit on the axle or whatever um, <laughs> to make it move, but it all the parts are here, bare minimum, maybe slightly more than bare minimum, truthfully, because I think we did pretty solid job of getting it set up. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, like, I, I think the trick might even be pointing toward the parts where you plan to write more, like... You know, like, this is, like, basically you, you get a picture of a bulldozer and you put it underneath a section header and you're like, this is under construction. You can check it out, though. I did that when I shared the cobwebs rules for peop- for playtesters and for guest writers, where I would, like, I, I put patch notes in it, which is not something I've ever done before because I've never shared something before. I just considered it done. Right, yeah. And so I'd say, like, oh, the most recent section I just added is how to play with five players, and it's maybe not the most confident writing relative to the rest. Um, and I still have to write the part about playing with two players. And so like, this is all in the header right under the name and the credits. So like, it's the first thing you see. So, you know, going in like, well, my intent is like, don't judge this part as harshly. This part's good to go. Um, or this part won't even make it into the core book. So you like, you don't even have to read it if you don't want to. Um, and it's like a a personal note and, a list of goals for yourself. Exactly. Whenever you open it up. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's something that I do. Yeah. Um, Where, especially with guide, I would like copy all playtest feedback and just put it in the first page of the document and then address each thing one by one. Do I need to change this? If I do, how do I change this? Has it been changed? Is this satisfied? That kind of stuff. Do you think as a player who buys or accesses an early access thing that you want those to see where the blemishes are or uh do you want to maybe like not be told that there's something wrong with the thing that you just got (laughs) i think having the text just stand alone and then having that dev log in it i've never used a dev log in itch so it'll be cool to actually use that yeah it's built in and like i was saying like treating it with patch notes and stuff as it's it's very uncommon in tabletop, but it's so so common in digital gaming that it's yeah. like there's a precedent for what we're doing and like it, and the kind of stuff we're talking about, like how done is done, how done is good enough, and like yeah, what do you do after it's done? All all that stuff, all those questions are answered by video game people on itch every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's totally a. I mean, they're 
then, you know, there's got to be the type of designer that I feel like I am in any form, you know, that's just work and work and work. And then the trick is just ever putting it out, you know. But there's some, st I guess it depends on, like, you know, what kind of stuff. I don't know where this game, like, exists in my larger catalog of, like, stuff. But it's cool to just, like, follow one track super hard and then just get it out ASAP so people who want it can get it. I find that I only ever do that with digital things because, it to me, it feels like there's much less of a publishing commitment um, or, like, support commitment, like... If I knock out a one page and it's digital, it's just there and like, let's roll. I'm I'm rolling past it almost. Yeah. Um, that's that's a really good way of thinking about it. Rolling past it. That's just like it's out now. I can. This is a milestone for me. Now I can do the next thing. That and like, I have, however many ideas concurrently going, and I don't want to abandon this one. But I also am not going to let it consume the next month of my work. So like. Yeah, you have to know your own limitations as a creator, and that's a that's a learned thing. Um, mm -hmm. To be able to say like, I'm willing to put this many hours or, or this many revision rounds or whatever into this before it starts to be not not worth it, but like taking it, it's like an opportunity cost of if I'm have if I have a big project, but I really want to fart out this smaller project um at a certain point the smaller project starts to impede progress on the bigger project if i let it yeah uh so i think and i think early access does this really liberating thing of saying like i know this was a, a brain fart and it's a good one good enough that i want to still like have it be something but maybe it's not going to be my thing I, I think about or work on every day so while i tinker with it it's like the project car in your garage but you have a car that you still yeah. drive to work um like when i find time when i make time it's there and it will continue to be improved upon it drives right now but it's maybe just like <laughs> <laughs> you know not the most pleasurable ride and it's something i just like enjoy poking at um but like you said too integrating the feedback that you learn especially on something like this where I'm a little outside of my comfort zone because it's digital focused. I'm learning more from seeing people play it and getting feedback than I would be from theory smashing it. So yeah, having it be out and available in any form, I'm going to get a lot more valuable stuff in return from the people who engage with it than I normally would where I work in a vacuum. I maybe share it with like my close circle and then release it wider. Yeah. Um, so this is extremely reminding me of some of like the principles that Seb Pines uses uh, from Saul Lewitt's work, who's a large format, like playful, uh, rules-driven artist who's um, uh, has these like lines on creativity. And I just looked some of them up because what you're saying reminded me of them. And one of them is have fun with your practice. Like if it's not fun, you have to, you have to like build that in. And then one that hit me real hard with this discussion is there's no end game, only evolution. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that I disregard in regular game development that should, yeah. that, and I think a lot of people do as soon as something is out 
not everybody has the either the energy or the like uh inspiration to go back and continue to work on it to me the end goal is release but yeah that's not always valid especially uh <laughs> i get it <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's not that. uh it's it's not always valuable if the thing that i put out is not uh as good as it could be like why am I, why am i then just disregarding the potential that it has to be better part of the reason yeah, is cuz i have 100 copies in my closet <laughs> well like the the thing that um one of the other solid things is that it's hard to bungle a good idea so like you know, as long as the spark's there and you can do it, it's going to be good. Like, it's going to remain good in whatever form you, you deliver it. Um, and having your creativity, like, having a game not be a discrete out piece of output, but part of a larger, like, tapestry of work and development is really strong. And it makes me uh, confident in just putting this out, so. For sure. I like that. I, and I always kind of try to champion that with people and... It's one of the first like things of advice that I give uh, is just put is just release it. Yeah, it's like, you know, your work is if you put your stuff out, it will be better than 99 percent of stuff because that stuff is not put out like. Totally. Um, it's like that's it's the hardest thing. It's one of those things and though. Then you, have you to can fuck with having it be good. You have to take your own advice on that sometimes. And that's like, it's, ain't that the hardest? The hardest. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, release the game. Uh, yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, it's out by the time you listen to this. This one's released. Yeah. I think, too... Oh, we, we mentioned wanting to do a little bit more open stuff with Total Station. And I think yeah. that's a good idea, too, of, like, tink tinkering and have it be a living thing. It also feels a little bit more like... Well, one, it feels like the game itself... Um, Total Station, for those oh, of you yeah. who don't remember or haven't gone back, there we did an, uh, on Gripsters and Ripsters, the episode, <laughs> uh, which I just had the title in my pocket because I told my band to listen to it. <laughs> um, we talk about games in zine form that, or not even necessarily zine, games that are destructive, um, things that you have to take apart as part of the play experience. And... Total Station was this game that we designed or started like theory crafting and are working on more design stuff uh, where you have maps that are layered in some way and you cut or tear or otherwise remove layers to expose ones beneath it and like explore this kind of like three dimensional geography uh, in some story form. But uh yeah, that's kind of like the next thing on my plate that I want to work on without it stepping on the toes of cobwebs, which is in editing and going to layout soon. And I'm also working on uh, Babes 2, Electric Boogaloo. Hey. Uh, <laughs> two Babes, Two Woods. That's no good. <laughs> um, babes 2, more babes. Something that, you know, a hundred plus page book, which to me is long, but I recognize in the, yeah, it's long. In the pantheon yeah. of, of role playing is not long. Um, 
anyway, it's about I, as long as a book should be. I can't let Total Station like become that or get in the way of that because those things have more they they kind of have like life or business consequences. <laughs> yeah. And Total Station doesn't, which is great, and which is why I really like smaller projects like that. Um Lost myself on the way. Lost what <laughs> Well, lost the point well, so while I was explaining the th- it. <laughs> the thing with Total Station is that you can release pa- individual pages. All you need to play is two pages. Like, and so True. it's this very easily. Um, it's something that like you know when the design, the actual page design starts, you will just be able to discover all of this playfulness within the form because you just get to you know, I have an hour. Let me just see you know what I can put under this you know center page of forest so what's the first thing that people open or like you know that kind of stuff um, and it becomes then hyper modular too which is really interesting or, or like yeah. if i release the forest page and someone's like oh we played it i think you do a great job of this with your with play tests that aren't designed to encapsulate the entire gaming experience because mm. then you get feedback of oh in, instead of turning left here we could turn right and because I oh, focus cool. so much yeah. on getting from A to Z, I don't think about the paths that you could have took to get there. Um, so again, like if I release it and I'm like, oh, underneath the forest layer is the rock layer. Um, but I don't have the rock layer ready. And so I release the forest and the rules. And someone's like, oh, underneath our forest, we put a dinosaur layer. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> dinosaur layer. <laughs> That's a great idea. And yeah, sometimes, you know, you're going to feel like a scientist in a car commercial looking at a wind tunnel with some, <laughs> just like some flags blowing around. And you're like, I don't know what they're doing, but they're doing it well. <laughs> it's also a cool thing, especially at Total Station, how, you know, one day you could just go on a tear and you're like, you know, if it's up early on Twitch or t- Twitch on itch, you can just say like, hey, everybody got two new pages. Feel free to print it out. Here's the, you know, double sides. And here's the new rule we added. Um, it becomes like a legacy just, thing in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah, I, it is. I, like I mean, to, it's just, it, sorry that there's that's like a, a standard practice in like web comics where I'm not writing trades worth of a comic. I'm re- I'm releasing yeah. a page at a time, and I'll re- release these pages at in regular increments. Um, it's I think it's really valuable, f- and it encourages the sort of like subscription style of like, or or serial style where you watch an episode of a TV show every week. Like you look forward to this regularly scheduled programming, but it also opens you up to kind of like binging. Where if I see a comic and it's like, oh, I released a new page of X today. I'm like, oh, I either don't know it and I want to start from the beginning and I get this big, like, stockpile that they've had ready um, to catch up, which is fun. Or I do know it and then I, like, read back and, and, like, catch up again to, like, refresh myself. And so it creates this really nice, like, feedback loop of engaging with the thing. And because there's so much like latent play and replayability in Total Station, you could simply be like, hey, we, you know, we've got the listed order. Here's something I came up with yesterday is how you start from the dinosaur layer and you, you claw your way through to the modern day or something like that. Yeah. Like you can, you know, you get your machete order for the pages and 
you know, or going the other way, the thing, a thing with Total Station is that, you know, you're ripping and tearing and the backside of each page has different text elements that you add places or different graphical things that aren't straight up maps. So what is the absolute reverse of that? Like that you have this, you know, page, a spread of some imaginary book that we've created and you just are boring through like different, you know, writing practices and texts and images or less images, but icons and icon iconography and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's a game that will thrive under being open in that way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at you, um, single side printer gang. We're thinking about you <laughs> <laughs> like that's going to be me. <laughs> But the thing is, you just feed the paper in upside down, and it doesn't matter which side, you know, the the facing direction. Yeah, that's part of because like, you won't see it when you're tearing anyway; it's exposed later. So there's all this kind of like weird modular nature to it that an accident stems a different style of play. Dude, we are we're making cool shit nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Will, where can we find your cool shit? Uh, you can find my shit, especially if you want to play. I'll be I'll be honest with you for once in your life. You can find online at willyopes.itch.io. I'm on Twitter at will underscore yopes. Um, you can find all of this at will.com, which is a site in which I accidentally have a camera going on 24-7 in my room, so you can just check in with me. You can spend points to feed some food. I got a little hamster feeder there. And you can get my landlord to text me asking for fucking rent. So <laughs> that's what you can do. Uh, Adam, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter at WCGameCo. Uh, I just put up a little, like, zine not-quite-a-game experience called Memory Lane. Uh, this week that I did on a stream that was pretty fun. My games are worldchampgameco.itch.io and worldchampgame.co uh, for the print media. Oh, uh, three-day weekend shipped, so I'm going to have those by the time this episode Ooh, comes out. So um, yeah. if you're not one of my backers on Patreon, uh, noted, but you can <laughs> you can buy a three-day weekend or the frequency at my website. And uh, we're working on getting a brain trust bundle that is just a a, a pay a collection of all our projects if you just want to grab everything that adam and i've worked on together because you're listening to this right now you've been listening for one hour <laughs> why the fuck aren't you <laughs> what's up um yeah uh brain emoji handshake emoji Do you know the spoon song, I Turn My Wi-Fi Off? <laughs> spoon That's has gonna, a lot of songs about Skype calls. That's going to be extremely good when I, I said the joke and you didn't hear it, but it's in my podcast audio. And then I said it again <laughs> because I knew it was funny. <laughs>